Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. And today, we are talking about Fierna and Belial. Hey, Brian. Hey, William. How you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Fuck I'm, yeah. I'm excited to talk about the topic that we're talking about today because uh, it's Year of the Fiend. Year of the Fiend. <laughs> year of our friends. <laughs> so we are getting fiery and ferocious and dare I say flirtatious and fascinating on today's Year of the Fiend episode. Spicy. It's a two for one episode. Two Archdukes. So- Two archdukes so inherently tied together that it's impossible to talk about one without the other. It's a logo, kind of like a bogo, but it's listen instead of buy. Yeah, sure. The flamboyant Femme Fatel, Fierna, Lady of Phlegethos, and the Machiavellian Mastervine, Belial, Lord of Pain and Suffering. Together they rule the fourth layer of hell, Phlegethos. A land so dominated by fire and magma, it makes Avernus seem like a cool spring morning. This relationship is confusing at best and disgusting at worst. It seems to be purposefully kept shrouded in mystery. They are either father and daughter, or lovers, or both, or neither. It's unclear. But, but without a doubt, their bond seems to be built on both mutual respect and genuine affection, if at the same time thrives under an intense and constant rivalry. Of all the alliances in the Nine Hells, it seems to be the most unbreakable. So this is the power couple of the Nine. Kind of, except for, like, it's just complicated bro they're not really a couple also they might totally be related yeah this it's, is it's very vague this is some soap opera shit this if i've ever heard super it. vague but um but they're interesting so now normally when covering multiple topics i like to divide the episode into different sections covering each one this isn't the case today is it is very difficult to talk about either fear or belial without the other so instead we will be bouncing between the two throughout the show but let us begin with fear uh, the Lady of Flakethos appears to be an incredibly attractive young woman, a lithe, statuesque, six-foot... Or 1.8 meters! ...seductress of stunning physique. Tall, dark, and sensual, her garments are as royally fine as they are scantily clinging, furthering her image as being a perversion, being of perversion and indecency. Of. Yeah. Giving away her infernal heritage are the small pair of horns that emerge under her hairline. Even then, the fiendish features somehow manage to enhance her enchanting appearance. Her red eyes shine and smolder like fires are, are dancing within them, and implicit promises of pleasure can be gleaned from her gaze. This is basically just like a, that weird D&D character I play with at the table sometimes. They're, they're uh, yeah. um, 
what's the what's the um what were we talking about tiefling like is this a, basically a tiefling character that sits down tiefling bard i yeah i guess so yeah sure um but like times 10 uh, Belial is his lady's physical equal in every way. The Archduke is said to be the be most handsome, of, be the most handsome of all archdevils, appearing as an impressively built ten foot or three meters tall figure of masculine beauty. He is tall, dark, and sensual, practically oozing carnality through the regal gar- garments that cling to his body in such a way as to promise pleasure and further his lascivious image. Oh my god! <laughs> as with many of the archdukes, Belial is also very classically devilish looking, uh, Lord of the Nine. Uh, some say his skin is scaly and ash black, while others purport it to be red, and even other reports claim he has a glossy black tail and wings. Other signs of his hellishness can be seen in the small horns, the same uh, black as his tail and wings, that emerge under his hairline, and his large slanted eyes that glow glow and smolder red with lustful intent. His monstrous features, however, do little, if any, to detract from his aura, civility, and overarm overall mesmerizing physique. Yeah, nothing makes uh, people hornier than giant wings. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, um, that's at least in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's actually on brand. Absolutely, befitting an archdevil of fire. Fierna is well known for her short fuse and volatile personality. Her temper striking fear in almost any devil. Her rage escalates quickly. Frustration leading to fury, which erupts quite literally since she angrily moves about while on fire when enraged. Oh wow! <laughs> Into bloodthirsty, bless, bloodthirsty vengeance, oftentimes with little warning. Additionally, she is self-absorbed, sadistic, and generally mercurial, flitting about like a lit flame between her various obsessions and fascinations. Oh man, that How- sounds. Just like a displeasure to be around. <laughs> However, assuming Fiona is just a bratty beauty is a grave mistake for both political schemers and would-be courtiers. Uh, Fiona is prodigiously brilliant in the art of emotional manipulation with charisma to match that of Asmodeus himself, lighting fires in the hearts of mortals and immortals alike that she can control like any other. Her explosive outbursts seem chaotic and random, but she is a being of law, simply following a pattern that perhaps only she understands. She's guiding you with her anger. Mm-hmm. She's pushing mm-hmm. you into decision-making with her raw emotions. Indeed. Oh, boy. Though she sees being viewed as incompetent as a useful ploy, she's no less adept at politics than other archdevils, but has no interest in taking part in the overcomplicated governmental web. The Lady of Lust has more hedonistic goals, desiring to use her position to indulge in luxurious comforts and lecherous pleasures. But Fiona knows how to separate business from pleasure and is a professionally minded devil when need arises. She may enjoy toying with lesser beings, but makes efforts not to immediately discard them upon growing bored and making the utmost use of them for her diabolical conspiracy and power plays and we could write a like a four netflix series based off of this description man oh yeah absolutely i would (laughs) dude i would love to watch a crazy political drama based off fear and belial i would watch the shit out of that um belial is much like his partner in that he is greatly confident, mesmerizing in personality, and said to be incredibly vain. Belial delights in the use of manipulation and domination. He's a profane being of great lust with an insatiable hunger for physical pleasure and pain, as fond of killing and the feeling of hot blood against his skin as he is in traditional debauchery and gratification. Aw, man. (laughs) Where him and his cohort differ is in their mental strengths. While Fierna is charismatic to the extreme, Belial is fiercely intelligent, cunning, and experienced. And even more so, Belial is cautious is cautious, always taking proper precautions and preparing contingencies. The old devil is of shrewd judgment and cunning political prowess, which, along with his good looks, aid him in his ambitious diabolical machinations. He is also of glib tongue, always coming off as civil, even despite the threatening underlying messages that can be found in his words. 
some 69 shades of red shit you feel me <laughs> yeah, absolutely sure absolutely <laughs> fierna the lady of phlegethos and belial the lord of Phle- phlegethos are the only arch devils allowed to share rulership over one of the nine hells by asmodeus belial is the veteran schemer in their abnormal alliance contributing diabolical deviousness and greater conspiratorial experience fierna is the young newcomer with fiery passion and undoubtable appeal yeah that's it do you think belial has sex genes Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. He's got Dom jeans, right? First, I was thinking like like his DNA. I'm like, well, you know, he is kind of a sex devil, so yes, he is genetically he's sexual. Genetic- also, he does. He's got sex jeans, and he wears sex jeans over his sex jeans. You know, what I'm exactly. Saying? Oh, yes. we did it. We made it. <laughs> the exact relationship between Belial and Fiorina is suspect, a mystery not helped by the fact that there being two lords of the fourth is sometimes a matter of contention, with one being proposed over the other. Fierna and Belial rule in a strange tandem. They are variously thought of by mortals and devils alike as mother and son, daughter and father, wife and husband, or ruler and consort, any of which could be true. But none of those terms can capture the paradoxical nature of their partnership. The Nine Hells is a hierarchy in which two individuals can't normally hold the same position as ruler of a single layer. Yet Asmodeus allows these two to claim dominion over Phlegethos as partners and rivals. So they just split ownership over this. And it sounds Mm. to me like they just tell whoever comes in what they need to hear to intimidate them. It's like, yes, we're lovers. And they're like, ooh, to gain garner respect or whatever. And it's like, uh, oh, well, uh, like, I, you know, she's my mom. (laughs) Or whatever whatever they need to say to get through it. I mean, yeah, you could could look at it that way for sure. She's your what? No. (laughs) No. It can't be. I can't stay here. (laughs) My fan fiction. No. Um, How did this come to be? Well, here is one version of the history of Belial and Fiarna. Belial has long been the ruler of Phlegethos, although his exact age is debatable. He is, however, old enough to regard Levistus, who himself rivals the likes of the ancient Despater in age, as a worthy adversary given that he is a devil of the old school. <laughs> They're boomer devils. <laughs> They're boomer devils. Oh, sure. my yep, God. That's exactly what this is. Uh, during the reckoning of hell, uh, Belial allied with Beelzebul, who led a rebellion to overthrow Asmodeus. This ended terribly for the rebels, and Asmodeus was left unscathed. After the disastrous results of the reckoning, Belial decided to retreat from public view, elevating Fierna to the official ruler of Phlegethos while continuing to run things from the shadows. Though this could be seen as a cowardly move, it was. It was a ploy to sate Asmodeus' wrath and get him to target other archdevils involved in the rebellion. So, a cowardly move. Uh, Fierna herself was more than fine with the new development. She's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dad, I'm- lover, son, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, you stay in the shadows, dad, lover, son. I'll be over here doing my thing. <laughs> Can we agree to just not use that term that I made up right now? Dad lover son? I was going to use it for the rest of the episode. Oh, no. Oh, God. Hey, uh, dad lover son, (laughs) since you're not the ruler of Phlegethos anymore, you're going to need to take off those Dom jeans. (laughs) And I'm going to need to put them on. The tailor, of, I'm summoning the tailor of hell to to fit the dom jeans onto me. Absolutely, pants have changed. You heard it here. That's what happened. <laughs> For a time, Belial focused on politically besting the frozen prince of Stygia, Levistus, while Fiorina remained the political face of Phlegethos, sinking further into obscurity while allowing Fiorina to to take a greater public role. Eventually, Belial's armies gained enough power that he was confident he could best both the Archduke of Stygia and the Hag Countess who ruled Malbolge, making Fiorina and him the ruler of three layers of hell. If he succeeded in mm. this all would have worked out if not for the sudden rise of Glazia as Modius's daughter as the new Archduchess uh, of Mambolje. This threw all of Belial's plans into the wind by introducing a figure he could not attack out of fear of provoking both Asmodeus 
and his daughter's ire. Yeah, man, the kin. You can't fuck with you can't fuck with the child. No. She's probably strong as fuck. So to add to this, Glazia's surprising rise to power proved, if not the most detrimental, the most life-altering event for the Lord of Suffering and Pain. Vierna saw a kindred spirit in Glazia, and in time, the Princess of Hell could be considered the Lady of Phlegethos' best friend. Oh, great. At, at least as much as devils could have best friends. Uh, the previously content Fierna began seeking independence, and soon Glazia began to attempt to drive a wedge between the two. They're like, hey, bestie. But they're like fucking live tweeting how much they hate each other. Exactly. Like yes, code. that's got to be exactly how it is for <laughs> sure. At Glazia's urging and in imitation of her close companion, Fiona began growing interested in ruling Phlegethos in more than name, calling herself an archduchess, creating her own cults and devil networks and introducing new initiatives to her father. Uh, what, what, what did we say? Father, lover, son? Son, son lover, father. Whatever. That. Yeah, yes. That. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately grabbed the term back when I needed it. Dad lover son. Dad lovers. God, I hate it. Dad lover son it sounds like a bad NPC name. <laughs> as much as he would try and hide it, his daughters or, his, oh, God, we need a term for her. Would, would it be mom, mom lover daughter doesn't roll off the dog. <laughs> oh, jeez. His... <laughs> His cohort's newfound ambition struck sweaty terror into the Lord what? of the Fourth. <laughs> for I need a fucking short rest after all the damage I just took. <laughs> for even as Fierda claimed she simply wanted knowledge on rulership if something happened to him, he was firmly of the mind that any untimely death would be at her command. Belial, for his part, attempted to keep tabs on Fiona's behavior without provoking her to greater autonomy, even putting many of his schemes against Levistus on hold while considering various actions against Glazia to make her a less appealing role model for Fiona. He was fully aware that the line he trod was thin, however, as any obvious strikes against Asmodeus' daughter could not only inspire Fiona to rebellion, but be construed as moves against Asmodeus himself. So he's he's in a pickle here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> to the degree, the degree to which Glazia's wedge driving worked, however, is debatable, as Fierna and Belial eventually reached some unorthodox familiar understanding. Rather than one destroying the other, the two ruled Phle Phlegethos in tandem, Fierna handling matters regarding mortal souls and Belial governing Phlegethos itself. Belial's cults have always been on the small side, and Fierna was ever apathetic towards the work of being an archdevil, so their specializations allowed the former to reclaim their position as an official ruler, while Fierna could put her interpersonal talents to use. Okay, I they, like that. They realized they made each other better, and they filled in each other's gaps. Aww. However, however, though the two have reconciled as allies, they have also become true rivals, showing a confusing combination of antagonism and admiration for each other. The two are constantly trying to trap and undermine each other, but Fiona's charismatic personality and persuasive power cancels out Belial's greater intellect and forward planning. And though there are those who believe that their infighting can be used to overtake them, any short-term benefit provided by their conflict never lasts, for any true threat to their rightful reign always prompts the pair to unite and defend their shared dominion. Yeah, it sounds like they just kind of get bored yeah, uh, exactly. They get bored, and so they start fucking with each other. <laughs> <laughs> they start fucking with each other when they're tired of fucking each other. Exactly. Dad, mother, sons, <laughs> daughter, lover, ladies. The pair rule over Phlegethos, the most archetypical of the hells that commonly appears in mortals' minds when Beator is mentioned. Phlegethos is an expanse filled with immense volcanoes that expel rivers of lava into a sea of molten rock. The unending flames and unbearable heat swiftly scorch most forms of life, with much of the scalding expanse being covered in ashen hills and smoking plains. Of the lawful plains of hell, Phlegethos is the most environmentally chaotic. Uh, tremors are common, and violent eruptions over or the random 
or the random openings of fissures are sporadic. The fires that burn throughout the fourth layer of hell seem to be sentient. They leap at intruders, appearing to take delight in setting creatures and objects aflame. (laughs) At the same time, the fires of Phlegethos do not harm any denizens of the Nine Hells. Even devils that are susceptible to fire suffer no damage or pain from exposure to them. Burn anyone wearing jeans. That isn't me. (laughs) Exactly. Anyone you see with denim on, destroy the denim. (laughs) Take great pleasure when you do it. (laughs) All bodies of liquid lava in Phlegethos are interconnected, either in bubbling pools, lakes of fire, or igneous seas. The fire falls, where the fiery streams fall from sharp ridges, make it one of the most visited hells, at least by magic-wielding outsiders, that seek to use the flames in works of incredible alchemy or magical item forging. That's cool. Inhabiting these liquid fires are wandering salamanders. (laughs) Brought long ago to be bound to Belial's service. Like last episode. Like last episode. And just like last episode, slavery is involved. Oh, man. The other inhabitants of the plane uh, constantly roam and... Roaming and patrolling for some reason or another consists of many kinds of devils, particularly spine devils, imps, barb devils, and horn devils. The lower, wetter, reeking borderlands of the plains are inhabited by lemurs, abishai, bearded devils, and a few amnizus, as well as hellhounds and certain methods. Yeah, the salamanders don't like to be too wet. They don't. We established that last episode. But let's take a short rest. Thank God. <laughs> shout out to the Shout out to Shout out to Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. We've returned. Consider supporting us under, under, underneath our bodies with your arms and lifting us up. Indeed. Please. Please do. How, how would they do that, Brian? Uh, I just said with their arms. Oh, okay. Raise so. us to, to, to out of hell and to Celestia. <laughs> we got to get out of this fourth layer. Got to get out of hell. <laughs> no, uh, we, we have a Patreon, though, if you want to give us money. Um, um, we use it to buy stuff we need, like and new chairs. In return, you get awesome bonus content. Yeah, um, and we're trying to do more for you on the Patreon. Oh, yeah. Like, super worth. Oh, there's more coming in the pipeline for sure. Yeah, there is. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, there is, though. Um, um, d- d- devils? Almost devils. Like demons, because you love demon, but... <laughs> devils. Devils? The realm of Phlegethos' primary city and seat of Fierna and Belial's power is named... I want Abramok. Would you pronounce that Abramok? Yeah, I kind of keep that Y mostly silent there. Yeah, okay. Abri- so Abramok is something of a paradox. On one hand, it is something of a pleasure palace, a carnival of dark desires filled with infernal reflections of casinos, theaters, taverns, and other similar establishments where devils on break can enjoy themselves. How neat. They go gamble. Yeah. On the other hand, is it, it is extremely well policed. The laws allowing for fiendish fun rather than strict regimentation, but order nonetheless being strongly enforced. Mm-hmm. Abramok is built on the caldera of the largest volcano in the realm, a hollowed out mount still overrun with molten rock. The buildings inside are constructed of jagged obsidian, igneous rock, dark glass, basalt, and other crystals, and the lips of the crater are crowned with towers. The fortress is composed of a series of chambers stacked on top of one another that open into the volcano's hole through balcony-like structures and are connected to each other by stairs, shafts, and a grand central spiral that snakes around the inner edges. Some rooms stretch throughout the inside of the volcano's sloping structure and have windows and other exits that open into its outer walls, which are constantly poured over by lava rivers. Yeah, we kind of like the last place that was structured a little bit similarly to this was Dis, right? Like it's city like. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a city. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is like the whole plains of city to a certain extent. But this right. is this has a sectioned off. Area. This is a volcano that is the capital city of the plain ex- itself. Right. And like the city basically hugs the walls of this active volcano. Los Flagethos, Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they got no one's allowed to go outside with their glass, their glass drink. They have to put it in plastic. Exactly, which immediately melts and becomes useless. Yeah, it's it's a way to get you to buy more drinks. It's lawful as fuck, though. It's lawful as fuck. Uh, The city's actual streets are so flooded with lava that foot travel is impossible, forcing visitors to pay for one of the dented green steel gondola manned by hundreds of spine devils and barbed devils to ferry them to their destinations. So those are like the taxis of Las Vegas. That's fucking cool. Yeah. This is cool. Uh, Green steel, in fact, is a primary export of Abram. Abramok, the valuable ore being derived from Phlegethos' magma, which makes it a primary uh, weapon in armor trade center in hell. Relatedly, Abramok is the strongest citadel in the Middle Hells, between the stalwart black tower- towers on its borders and their famous hellhound breeding pits that produce monsters to rival those defending Nessus. Abramok is a veritable fortress. There is no denim smith. There is only one procurer of denim. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. 
Abramok is also home to the Diabolical Courts, which are the center of the Nine Hells judicial system, overseen by Belial himself. Any disputes regarding contracts, accusations of cowardice battle, or dereliction of duty, and other criminal charges are resolved here. <clears throat> the Diabolical Court is an independent institution answering only to Asmodeus. The fact doesn't discourage devils from constantly plotting to introduce new laws or to set precedents that they find advantageous. The court's function and its decisions are wholly dependent on the intricate laws of the Nine Hells, an impossibly complex code marred by a multitude of loopholes and exceptions that can cause illegal dealings can cause any legal dealings to drag out for years before a resolution is reached. Oh boy, that sounds tiring. Yeah. So in this way, Belial is uh, has a more direct connection to Asmodeus than any other um, archduke that we've talked about thus far. I mean, Despater straight stays in his fucking tower and doesn't talk to anybody. Yeah, um, Secret City. Zariel or Bell or whoever happens to roll on the top, they're busy with the war. Um, what's oh God, who was the last guy we talked about? Uh, Mammon, he's more independent. He's more interested in money than anything else. But Belial has to run the diabolical court, and it answers only to Asmodeus. So like, he's like the direct liaison between the court and Asmodeus. Yeah, Asmodeus doesn't want the court in his lair. He wants it... it like out here. Yeah, he doesn't want to have to deal with it. Belial gets to run it. He's like, you have nice pants. <laughs> you could be a lawyer. You could be a lawyer. No one, uh, no one here wears pants like you. <laughs> Belial and his underlings also administer the procedure that determines the fate of devils that are in line for promotion or demotion. At the culmination of the process, the candidates are made vulnerable to the fires of Flagathos through a special ritual designed for this purpose. The flames either bring searing agony that reduces a devil to a weaker form or ecstatic joy that transforms it into a mightier being. Oh, man. So it's a very like official process of, of going up through the ranks or yeah, down. You just, you just like, you know, from outside, like whatever chamber that goes down in. It's like, wee! <laughs> like, oh, fuck, my, my false everything fucking hurts. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Cool. <laughs> a key example of Phlegethos's pleasurable aspects is Fiernus Palace, a slender serpentine tower of crystal outside of the city, wreathed in blue flame and surrounded by a ring of magma pools. Only she and her closest companions are allowed inside. This includes Belial, who spends a great deal of his time here. Exorbitant marble halls and a bejeweled decor can be found deep within the tower, and following a scorching staircase underground are deep caverns known as Fiernus Pleasure Domes, each dedicated to a different vice. <clears throat> oh, man. The floor has grates that allow ex access to the prison cells below, many of which house celestials and paladins for a bored Fiona to prod with a long lance at her leisure. <laughs> She's horrible. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you <laughs> She's put... She's poking them just because the, she wants to. The floor of the greasy sex chamber you're in is a steel grate, so, like, the fl whatever fluids are being yeah, yeah, manufactured yeah, yeah. are just... Oh, All over your prisoners that you uh, then poke with a lance. Then you stab them. Uh, a fair fraction of the captives are Fiona's Fiona's. I said Fiona's. I've been watching a lot of Shrek lately. A Fiona's ex because my son loves Shrek. Oh yeah, that's a good. He's reason. a big. He, all four of them. He loves all of them. So we watch him all the time. He's having a Shrek birthday soon. It's gonna be great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. Okay, oh. back to back to hell. Um, a, a fair <laughs> fraction of the captives of Fiona's ex lovers, allowing her concurrent. Yeah, a fair fraction of the captives are Fiona's ex-lovers, allowing her current suitors to see the fate of those before them, oh. which they rarely consider could one day sh uh, that they could one day share. So that's kind of one of the big <laughs> things about uh, devils, like higher devils, is they're very full of themselves. So pompous. They're very narcissistic. Sup, loser? <laughs> Sucks to suck, huh? <laughs> <Is> it, <it's laughs> Later. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, Fiona's presence is rarely noticed in Phlegethos. <clears throat> she spends most of her time losing herself in pools of lava as others make decisions regarding the actual rulership of the plane. But much of her pool time is actually spent with Belial as the two discuss stratagems. Rather than Fiona being a nominal puppet ruler or Belial being the true power behind the throne, both take a role in the decision making, albeit the, with Fiona being more preoccupied with her comforts. She is rightfully thought of as insatiably lustful, thoughtlessly going through members of the opposite gender, a trait she seems to have adopted from her father-son-lover partner. <laughs> this episode... <laughs> I knew this episode was going to be like this, but now I'm living it. Oh, man. <clears throat> the two rulers truly share an unbreakable blood bond tightened by mutual necessity. He is adept at, if not quelling, focusing, if not quelling, focusing Fiona's fury, similarly to how one controls a fire. He also serves as Fiona's mentor, teaching her from within the hall of 1,000 sighs and screams of her palace about everything he knows regarding the arts of love and pain. <clears throat> Why is that in quotes? The um, arts of love and pain. I don't know, man. It just is. <laughs> They're his arts. No one really knows except they both know now. They're specific. Yeah. They're very specific to to him and what he knows. He's the Lord of suffering and pain. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) You'll never guess what I can do with these jeans on. (laughs) Time to find out my arts. Like the rulers of the other layers, Belial and Fiorna have a quota of souls they must meet. Belial largely leaves this task to Fiorna, even turning over to her the mortals that directly contact him. He just wants to deal with it. <laughs> he's, he's not a people person. Belial's, Fiorna is, though. Fiorna offers yeah. herself against the gift of personal influence, endowing them with a glib tongue and the ability to mold others' emotions as they see fit. Her agents typically concentrate on swaying mortals who already seek to manipulate others. Mortals who are desperate to attain positions, power, and status entreat her, as do those who, for whatever reason, need to be loved, feared, or respected. Yeah, Belial <laughs> has to deal with, like, salty lawyers a lot of the time. Yes. He just, like, wants to chill out. Yeah. yeah he's, just trying to have a, <laughs> he's just trying to have a drink and relax afterwards. He's like, <laughs> God, they keep calling me. He just hands the phone to Fiona. Here, please take this. Can you get mad real quick? <laughs> exactly. Can you get mad as fuck? Fiona takes a direct interest in the soul trade. Her prodigious intellect allows her to glean the best information from the mountains of reports generated by her agents on the material plane. Fiona sometimes personally takes a role in bending immortals' emotions to her will as a way to better understand the workings of mortal hearts and minds. What she or Belial intends to do with their accumulated knowledge, none can definitively say, but rumors exist that Fiona has stolen the secret of how to travel freely between the Nine Hells and the material plane from the Archlich Vecna. The fact that the denizens of the Nine Hells take such rumors seriously is a clear indication of their respect for Fiona's power. Vecna gets horny, too. (laughs) That he does, I suppose. (laughs) He's only got one hand to take care of things. He's got to figure that out. Belial's original consort, and possibly Fiona's mother... um, Oh, no! (laughs) Going deeper! We're going deeper. Was the late Naomi. A shrewd, well-regarded devil with a light sense of humor, appreciated for her level-headedness and ability to bargain. Like the rest of her family, she enjoyed a good fight, battling with both spells and a long scimitar. Okay. The mysterious death of Naomi is a point of contention in diabolical gossip circles. Some reports claim that Asmodeus destroyed Naomi as punishment for the reckoning, but another theory puts forth that she died before it had truly began. Naomi was never particularly fond of Glazia and had potentially called out the Princess of Hell for nefariously scheming to start the reckoning in secret. She wisely suggested to Belial to ease the tensions between groups, but before the Archdevils could be united by the common, their common foes in the Abyss, Glazia, according to rumors, had Naomi assassinated. Oh, man. <clears throat> so... 
Fiona's best friend had her mom killed, maybe. Mom partner? I don't know. It's all very confusing. <laughs> um, most archdevils suspect that the latter rumor is true, a rumor that Fiona must be aware of and either doesn't believe or isn't bothered by. <clears throat> the dungeon cast where we make Oedipus Rex look like a children's story. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, it's not our fault. I didn't write this. That's, like, that's wizards We're just presenting Or TSR it. or whoever. Yeah, thanks, Wizards or TSR or whoever. <laughs> For this horny Thanks, mess. Gary. Actually, Thanks. Gary probably had nothing to do with this. I don't know. As for the other Archdevils, Belial isn't particularly liked by most of his peers. He has a strong hatred of the Archdevils above and below him. Maman's machinations restricting his mobility and Jaron being his most fiercely despised nemesis. Although Moloch... Huh? Mamakinations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although Moloch is a close second in terms of loathing. In this respect, the reckoning worked out fairly well for Belial, ridding him of both Jerion and Moloch and leaving Maman cursed in a serpent form that he despises. The most disappointing aspect of the reckoning for him, though, was that Levistus, another old devil and a worthy opponent, has been put in place of Jerion as the ruler of Stygia. Or Stygia? It's Stygia. It's Stygia? It's Stygia, yeah. okay. A realm Belial covets greatly. Belial's only notable ally, besides Fiona, is Beelzebul, an alliance that managed to survive the reckoning, even if it was in secret. Belial would come to Beelzebul's aid if needed, and vice versa, although doing so would likely provoke Mephistopheles. Man, it's getting, it's getting messy. Yeah, it's going to keep getting, getting more messier. complicated the further we go, because I believe that Glacia might be next. No, no, Levistus is next. On like a tangent note, I like... Beelzebul's name the best probably because it reminds me of that Queen lyric from um, Bohemian um, Rhapsody. Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Mephistopheles because it sounds ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Some Greek dude. Yeah. Uh, after Belial stepped down and placed Fierna in his place, uh, his court was heavily divided as to where to put their loyalties. The Black Duke Batham, so-called due to his jet-black armor, forswore his former master in favor of Fiorina, along with the powerful pit fiend Zapan. Uh, Batham had served Belial loyally through the reckoning, but afterwards swore himself to Fiorina after Belial cravenly placed her on his throne. Um, that's a quote. Yeah, I love uh, the little quotes we've been encountering on yeah. all these all these uh, notes. Yes. Even before that, Batham had secretly coveted Fiorina, partially out of belief that if he could seduce her, he could advance and potentially rule over all of Phagethos. Nice. <laughs> Meanwhile, other devils stayed loyal, uh, the most obvious example being the boisterous Balan, a reckless devil with, a, with tactics like that of a demon. Balan's lawfulness, as explained by himself, is to bring absolute order found in death. <laughs> if it's all dead, then it's all orderly. I mean, um, no one can act out if they're dead, right? <laughs> Indeed. What is more law than that? <laughs> he is cruel, lustful, violent, and belligerent, only avoiding fights if facing a superior foe. Although despite this behavior and being seldom appreciated by anyone around him, he's still given command over 40 companies of bearded devils, having stayed with the Lord, who had long helped him say his terrible desires. Nice. Also still loyal to Belial is Gaziel, a bone devil-like fiend given command over 11 companies of the same devil type. Cold and mechanical, though strangely savage at times, Gaziel is in most respects a perfect general for his master. Belial's legate is Chamo, a polite and calm but nonetheless uh, abrupt devil said to know every hiding spot in Phlegethos. Oh, well, if it, every hiding... And you went with Chamo? It's definitely Camo. <laughs> you think it's ca Come on, bro. <laughs> It's right yeah, there. Right, fine, it's camo. Fine, it's right there. His, I, I just called it. I saw it, man. I don't know what to tell you. He's wearing. Like, what if I were to tell you colors. that all of this is made up, Brian? What? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> His deputy, Belial's deputy, is the pit fiend Zabos. How would you say that? 
Zabo. Okay. <laughs> Who is also Belial's lieutenant and given permission to speak to the Lord of the Fort's vassals on his behalf. Also of note is the Pithfiend Gazra, leader of the a Abramok patrol force and Fiorna's aid despite technically being more beholden to Belial. The Pithfiend holds a hateful jealousy towards Belial, though, and desires affection for Fiorna, but manages to keep such feelings hidden. Aww. <laughs> Soap opera continues to evolve. <laughs> it does. Belial's cult is somewhat small, even was somewhat small, even before he abandoned that aspect of his work to Fiorna, Fiorna to focus on administration. The few mortals that worship him uh, saw him as a patron of secret knowledge and trickery, as well as domination and seduction. Okay. All true things. Uh, mm -hmm. Perversion is a known element in the schemes of Belial's cultists, such as kidnapping others to force them to play out twisted fantasies. Even if not initially present, Belial's dark power, as well as Fiernus, can consume a cultist's mind with sinister urges and perverse sensuality. They indelibly draw pleasure from their pain and have dreams of endless wealth, magical power, and other fulfilled desires, and can spread those wants to others. Oh, cool. They make you have good dreams. I suppose so. That's one way to look at it. Most of Belial's clerics are male, favoring thin tenderly cared for beards red and, and red and black clothes temples of belial are typically found in elegant towers and marble halls with an understated but tasteful decorum that can be easily maintained and feature circular bloodstained altars as well as black and red candles before deciding to take more responsibility fiorna didn't bother with cultists all worshippers of the lord of the fourth being those of belial however at glazia's behest she began growing her own independent network of followers at first, her fledgling cults were composed of ragtag misfits and, unlaw and outlaws operating with a few improvised temples without actual goals or established tactics. She prompted herself as the patron of fire and pleasure using her father's symbol and her deceased mother's weapons as items representative of her cult. Again, the father and mother thing might not even be accurate. Oh, yeah. Eventually, she gained greater footing. Uh, her once minor operations on the material plane expanded and her targets became more specific until at some point Fiona entirely took over the, the soul harvesting operations in Phlegathos, Belial leaving her uh, to fill the quota and even turning over his direct summons to her. Okay. So as before, Fiona's cults attract pariahs and undesirables, those that for whatever reason want to control others. Her supplicants typically before her agents become her supplicants typically before her agents become involved, seek to foster certain emotions in others, whether they are specific individuals or entire groups, and Fiona provides them with the silver tongue and personal magnetism to do so. Some have been driven to desperation in their love lives or want to become beloved leaders with fanatical followers, while others grasp for positions of power that command respect or fear. So these are like the warlock powers we're kind of these are over, these are of? kind of these are the cultists these are yeah why they become cultists and what Fiona and Belial provide as cult patrons yeah power and uh power and ability time Fiona has unmitigated mastery over fire able to create it and cast a vast array of fire based spells as well as control all fire within Phlegethos. rather than rely on weapons she fights with a blade of pure fire that she summons to her hand twice as powerful as ordinary flame blades. She rains burning death upon her enemies, first conjuring a fire shield before destroying her foes with a meteor swarm or flurry of fireballs. That's fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Though she eagerly partakes in slaughter, particularly enjoying the feeling of hot blood splashing against her, she <laughs> only enters melee if victory is certain and is smart enough to know when to retreat, often with teleportation. Instead, she engulfs her foes with flames from afar, quickly summoning reinforcements in the forms of various powerful devils. Magical and otherwise, the cold does little to stymie Farina's flames, and similarly, water cannot extinguish them. Wow. Several Belial's abilities are as archetypically infernal as his appearance or personality. His magic can produce flames, create walls of fire, as well as beguile and make his enemies 
prone to suggestion. His more powerful abilities allow him to mentally dominate his foes, instilling fear with his gaze or in an aura around himself, and create symbols of pain and insanity, and he uses these abilities to scatter his enemies and turn them on each other. He's far more patient than Fiorina when it comes to combat, always casting spells such as Magic Circle and Steam Visibility before fight, the fight begins. He can summon a wide range of devils all the way up to summoning Pit Fiends. Only once his summons are distracting his opponents and only when his opposition is disorganized and weak and quarreling will he move in and allow the pleasure of melee blood spilling begin. Fuck, man. And that is everything I have of Fierna and Belial. That is a huge info dump, man. Yes. That was a lot. Yes. That was, that was, Absolutely. They're so nasty. They're very nasty. <laughs> Everyone's so nasty in hell. Welcome to hell. I don't hell. know why I'm surprised. Yeah, well, it's here, the fiend, man. We're nasty here on the Dungeon Guest this year. This is the week of the jeans, baby. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Oh. Anything you want to add? I don't I anything. Add, any I questions? Add, I can't add anything. Any comments? <laughs> concerns? I'm concerned. <laughs> you should be. Let's have a long rest. Yeah. Let's have a long rest. Just outside the studio, ranking members of the Cult of Demogorgon and founders of the Dungeon Cast fan club, Grimly and Gromly, conspire to send their demonic master pertinent information to aid and abet toward the victory of their true patron, Demogorgon, in the Blood War. Shout out to Demogorgon. Let's listen in. I don't. I don't know. Whoa. 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 That's a lot. It's, yeah, I don't know how we're going to get any of this. Is Oedipus Rex the, the mom fucking thing? Did I get that one right? Dad lover, son. Dad lover, son. We don't have those where I'm from. I, I've never heard of it. I have heard of jeans, though. I happen to have some jeans we, on. God, okay. So, you know, we should do this. We should have a powwow before we actually do this. We, we need to tell our Dark Lord about dad lover, sons, and jeans. Jeans. Sex jeans. So jeans. Sex jeans. Sex jeans on sex jeans. Is there another kind? Yeah, there were two, right? I, uh, you, you know what? You take care of that bar. I'll handle the dad lover son. Okay, I'll talk about jeans. And then, uh... I think we're ready. Let's okay, go. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna like, do, we don't have anything else to talk about. I'm gonna do the thing. Okay. You do a little shush, okay? Do a little shush. <laughs> Set a timer for one minute. It's fucking happening. Dad lover sons, they're Dad a thing. Sons and sex they're weaponizing it against us. We need to figure this out. There's only one pair of pants in all of the layer of hell. What's it called? Flagethos. 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 Aberrant. Now that's a plant? What? Wait, wait, wait. Abramok. 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 Good, nice. So they're both really sexy. Yeah. Um. Even though they got big wings. <laughs> Not as sexy as you, Dima Gorgon. No, no yeah. one's as sexy as you, my dark yeah, you lord. No my dark lord, yes. No, one. no one's no talons one. are thicker. <laughs> no one's muscles are more rippling. No one's necks are so thick. Jeez, man. And your eyes, you have four of them. The traps on this guy, wow. But anyways, Fiorna, sexy, Belial, sexy. They're sexy to each one. other, maybe? They're sexy to each other, and they're also mad at each other, and they're sexy again, and they can't decide if they're their moms or their dads or what. They're fucking, they're fucking everybody. So, I think, I think this will actually be an easy layer. Ah! Oh, I was going to say, it's this is probably an easy layer to conquer. They're too busy fucking each other. Yeah, they're too busy fucking each other. And, uh, we got this one. Yeah, uh, you just, like, I don't know, maybe we can get that dude's pants. <laughs> His pants do seem powerful. They seem so strong. Too bad we didn't get any of that information at the end there. Well, I'm but. assuming that will be carried into battle. That's when, when yeah, time is, absolutely, is dry. absolutely. I can feel the I can feel the power within uh, burning inside of us both. Yes, I feel your power uh, every day. Every feel day, through, I feel it. Feel through the jeans. The jeans. Ah! 
Ah! Oh god, the jeans. The screaming power! Yeah! Oh! Shout out to Demogorgon. What? Shout out to Demogorgon. Shout, shout out to Demogorgon. Did you hear that? I did. I did. I did hear that. What was that? Hey everybody, welcome to the long rest. Uh, kind of, kind of a weird one. At the end of that episode, the cops showed up outside my house. They didn't like come in or anything, but I heard them out there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was odd. Something was going on. There was a there. lot of yelling. Yeah, heard we yelling. heard yelling and we, something about jeans. And then yeah, so they were yelling about jeans. I think. And then the uh, the cops came. I think they're gone though. Okay, that's good. All right. Anyway, so what do we what do we got to talk about this long rest? We got to talk about Patreon. French Patreon. <laughs> Specifically. No, it's not. It's just regular Patreon. <clears throat> but I said it funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go there and give us money and we'll buy things that we need because that's what, that's what we pretty much do with it. The money there. Uh, and we really appreciate the support. Um, Indeed. And you get awesome uh, bonus content in exchange. Yeah, dude. Um, help Will quit his job. He's, I think he's <laughs> doing it anyway. Yeah, um, I'm taking the plunge. But like, And you know what I'm going to do with that time? I'm going to make patreon content yeah i mean we're that's the goal is uh i'm next on the list quit when i can uh afford health insurance and make dungeon dragons content full time or whatever it is i'm going to be doing uh so it the patreon stuff is like a big piece of that mm. so thank you guys for especially everyone who's been there uh new and for a long time we we really appreciate it, all of you quite a bit um you're making you're making it happen it's finally it's possible proud of our boy Mm-hmm. Out of our boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Um, we got a merch store. We got a merch store. Merch store with merch. Get some merch. <laughs> Dungeon Cast logos on it. Super Quest Saga logos. Uh, stuff and like other that. art as well. Yeah. Um, you can leave an Apple podcast or Spotify reviews. Both are great. Wherever you're, uh, you know, consuming the show, uh, leave that leave that review yeah Comment, leave a review there. Like, it's, yeah it doesn't have to be apple podcast or spotify if you're listening to it on some other app feel free to leave a review there too yeah superman punch that five star and, <laughs> and move on with your life uh spread the word of the dungeon cast up the middle in bloody fashion oh god again that's my eagle impression mm-hmm it's not it's okay it's bad i was gonna say it's not bad but i was like it's not good (laughs) you can follow us on discord twitter instagram tiktok uh or you can email us at the dungeoncast at gmail.com we also have a p.o box if you'd like to send us things we got a place for you to do that everything's in the description if we failed to say that all the stuff all the links yeah everything is down there go down there uh i know it's scary sometimes you don't want to go down there but sometimes you need to go down there sometimes you gotta um, oh, that was the most violent hiccup ever. Oh, gosh. Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. We got to stop the episode. All right. We're going to call it a game. The Dungeon Cast. Greetings, adventurers. Today, we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice. A horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? 
Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 